Merry Christmas from a word from the Lord. Today, Dr. Beach brings a message that was delivered last Christmas Eve. Here now is our speaker for a word from the Lord with his message, Celebrating Christmas. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Tonight we gather in the church to remember the birth of Jesus. And while we do this, we are surrounded by ominous and dark signs in our culture. Just 11 days ago, a gunman walks into a school and unleashes terror and death. That same weekend, in cities all over this country, men, women, and children were killed by murder and atrocities that I can't repeat from the pulpit. Locally, we've seen police officers being killed and senseless murder and violence being unleashed, even in our own city. Just this past week, a 14-year-old student at a local high school right down the road, less than a mile from here, was killed in his home over a pair of shoes. The world didn't end on Friday, as many had predicted, but the death of our culture continues its progress. And although many of us have become numb to hearing all the news accounts of murders and thefts and beatings and national debt and budget deficits, they are realities that confront actual people every day. And into this darkness and negativity comes the message of Christmas, a message of love, of hope, of peace, of forgiveness, of kindness. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. We gather tonight to remember and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. He was born a little over 2,000 years ago in a small village a few miles outside of Jerusalem called Bethlehem. We would not be here tonight if he had not impacted the world in some dynamic way or if this was just some fanciful tale or or fairy tale or some fanciful story. We've already heard tonight in the gospel reading the events that surrounded his birth. Caesar Augustus calls for a census which forced Mary and Joseph to go from their ancestors' town, go to their ancestors' town, which was Bethlehem, thus fulfilling a, a hundred years old prophecy, several hundred years old prophecy from the prophet Micah about where the Messiah had to be born, Bethlehem. The new baby, who was later said that he was the bread of life or the bread that came down from heaven, is placed in a manger a feeding bowl in Bethlehem, which literally means house of bread in the Hebrew language. An angel and and then a large number of angels appear to shepherds in a nearby field proclaiming, in Bethlehem today a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord of heaven. And they were given a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. 
Now, of course, it's hard for us to remember in all of this that this was a baby, a little baby, hungry and needy, just like we all were. A baby, a a fledgling newborn baby, born into a dark, violent, hostile world. A baby. Eight days later, Mary and Joseph, who were devout Jews, followed the normal Jewish tradition and in obedience to the Old Testament law of Moses. They took their new baby a few miles up to Jerusalem, to the temple, to present him for circumcision and to dedicate him to the Lord. They arrive there at the temple and two very unusual things happen. First, there's this old man. He was very old, but he's also very devout. His name was Simeon. And Simeon had been praying for the Messiah to come to Israel, and the Holy Spirit had told him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah himself with his own eyes. And so of all days for him to have gone to the temple courts to pray, he happened to be there on the day when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus in to dedicate him and to have him circumcised. When he saw the baby, we're told he was moved by the Holy Spirit and he picked Jesus up in his arms and Simeon began to praise God, saying, God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you've promised, for with my own eyes I have seen your salvation. It's now open for all to see this God-revealing light to the non-Jewish nations and for the glory of your people Israel. He's here. Now, if that wasn't amazing enough, you can imagine Mary and Joseph standing there with this happening. If that wasn't amazing enough, up walks a woman named Anna. Now, she was another devout Jew who had lost her husband at a young age, and she never remarried, and we're told that for about the next 70-plus years, she dedicated herself to the Lord, praying, fasting, and worshiping in the temple. And it got to the point where she never left the temple mount, but would spend day and night there praying and fasting before the Lord. And she became known as a prophetess who would speak on behalf of the Lord up in the temple area. So here she is, and she comes up to Mary and Joseph, and she begins to praise God because of the baby and speaks about Jesus to anyone who is looking for salvation, saying he's the one. He's the salvation of Israel. Now, these things just didn't happen to anybody in that time. It's amazing. Well, after going to the temple, we're told that an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, go to Egypt. And so they go to Egypt, spend some time there, and then when King Herod dies, they take Jesus back up north, up into the northern part of the Galilee to Nazareth, where Mary and Joseph were actually living. And that's where Jesus was raised. Well, years later, Mary and Joseph are making their annual travel back to Jerusalem to the Feast of Passover. They did it every year. But this year, Jesus is now 12 years old. And they all celebrate the Passover according to the Jewish custom, and they begin to head home. And their caravan gets about a day's journey outside Jerusalem when Mary and Joseph can't find Jesus. He's missing. Well, after three days of looking for him, and if you've had been a parent and you've lost your child for a little, for a few minutes, you must know they must have been absolutely panicked. They find Jesus in the temple courtyard 
sitting with all the religious teachers, listening and asking questions. And the teachers were all quite taken with him, impressed with the sharpness of his questions and his answers. And when mom and dad finally found him, they weren't so impressed. Mary said, young man, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been half out of our minds looking for you. And he says to them, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I had to be here dealing with my father's business? Referring to God as his father. Well, Jesus went obediently back to the, with them to Nazareth, where he continued to mature and grow into adulthood. And years later, when Jesus was 30 years old, he's baptized by John the Baptist, and he begins his public ministry. Israel begins to hear from Jesus and experience his miracles. He begins to teach about the kingdom of God. And wherever he goes, people are amazed at his teaching. One time in his hometown of Nazareth, he does something the locals think is rather bizarre, even blasphemous. He goes to the synagogue to worship. That was his regular custom every week. He'd go to church every week, and they ask him to read the scripture that was appointed for that day. And the passage is from Isaiah, which is about a prophecy about the coming of the Messiah. So he reads the passage, and then he tells him that he is the fulfillment of that scripture. They're shocked. They get upset at his words. They're so upset that they try to kill him, to throw him off the cliff that Matt Nazareth sits on for blasphemy. Well, Jesus got away from that scenario. He continues to travel around, and he begins to do miracles and healings and demonstrate supernatural abilities. He heals lepers. He heals blind people, deaf people, crippled people. He heals people with colds and sickness. He even brings several folks back from the dead. One of those was a guy named Lazarus. He'd been dead for over four days when Jesus arrived to his town. And he calls this dead man out of the tomb to come back from death. And he comes out. He brings him back to life. Well, you can imagine that people seeing these things or hearing about these stories, they flock to hear him hoping to see some kind of miracle or to have him heal a loved one. These were the kind of things that Jesus did and said. This little baby whom we celebrate tonight did some absolutely amazing things. Well, you can quite imagine that some of the religious establishment, some of the religious folks get quite uneasy some even jealous about all that was going on. But mostly they see Jesus as breaking the sacred traditions of their religion, and it really gets under their skin. One example of this can be found in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, he's been teaching about these things of God and the kingdom of God, and and he ends it by saying, and the Father and I are one. I and the Father are one. Well, the next thing you know, these religious leaders are picking up stones to kill him, to stone him. And Jesus says, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which one of these are you stoning me for? 
And they say to him, we're not stoning you for any of these, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. See, this wasn't an ordinary baby. Well, this kind of confrontation began to escalate until finally the religious leaders have Jesus arrested to interrogate him. And in the interrogation, the high priest commands Jesus in the name of God to tell the group there, are you the Messiah or not? Tell us plainly. Well, when Jesus answered yes, they cry out blasphemy and call for his death, not even considering whether or not it might actually be true. They handed him over to the Roman government for the death penalty by crucifixion. So in a matter of hours, this man who was teaching about love, about righteousness, about peace, about how to follow God, this man who was healing sick people and bringing people hope and joy and who was doing all kind of miracles, in a matter of hours, he's hanging on a Roman cross dying. And die he did. Hear the words of Luke 11 again. Chapter 2, verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. You see, he was born to die. And die he did. And if he would have remained dead, we wouldn't be here tonight. For thousands of people were crucified by the Romans there in Palestine every year. And all of them died too. But three days later, Jesus came back from the dead and was literally seen by hundreds of individuals, also fulfilling many prophecies which were hundreds of years old. In one of those resurrection appearances, he appears to two folks on what, we, what was called the road to Emmaus outside Jerusalem. And we're told that he explained to them all the Old Testament scriptures concerning himself about how the Messiah had to suffer to be the Savior. He became a sacrifice for our sin on the cross. He became the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He became the method by which individuals may know God and have a right relationship with Him. He became the Savior to save people from their sins. In Matthew's version of the birth, in Matthew 121, we're told, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. By the way, the name Jesus in Hebrew is Joshua or Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. Salvation. It's his name. God is making a powerful statement in the birth of this baby. He's saying to the dark world, I love you so much, I came and lived among you as a baby. He's saying, I want a relation with you so much that I set aside my majesty and my glory and became a stinking human being and a baby. Those of you messed with babies know what I'm talking about. He's saying, you are so valuable to me that I was willing to cover your sins with my own blood. He was saying, time is short and life on earth is short, so don't put me off. Jesus said it this way himself. He said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. 
He said, I have come not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Whoever believes in me is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. He said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I gave for the life of the world. He said, this is love. Not that you loved me, but that I loved you and gave my life as an atoning sacrifice for your sins. These words he spoke to them, but he also speaks to us. We celebrate the birth of Jesus tonight because he was not just another human being. He was the Messiah, the God-man. He was fully God and fully human. He was God from God, light from light. We celebrate the birth of Jesus tonight because of what he did almost 2,000 years ago, and he still does in the lives of people who are willing to turn from their godless ways and follow him. To those who receive him, who believe on his name, we're told that he gives the right to become the children of God, to be born of the Spirit, to have their sins forgiven by his sacrificial death on the cross. We celebrate the birth of Jesus tonight because we have found him to be the Lord of the universe and the Lord of our lives. And that's why in the midst of heartache, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of loss, in the midst of economic woes, and in the midst of family crises, we still celebrate and rejoice because we know he has given us life and life eternal, and we know that he is with us. He is the light which has stepped into the darkness. He's entered into our world's mess and is willing to enter into your mess and my mess. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Perhaps you're here tonight and you've never known the forgiveness that comes from having the guilt of your sin taken away. Perhaps you're here tonight and you've never known true forgiveness. Perhaps you're here tonight and the bottom's dropped out in your life or your finances or your relationships. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never experienced that peace that passes all understanding. Life is just constant chaos and torment, and there's not that inner sense of peace. Perhaps you're here tonight and you're longing for more out of life. You know there's got to be more of all of this. Well, I want to commend to you this baby, Jesus. I would encourage you to come to him as your Savior and as your Lord. I implore you to invite him into your life, that he might forgive your sins and give you eternal life. I encourage you just to call out his name, Jesus. Jesus and his presence will come to you. I find it interesting that unbelievers, just without even thinking about it, when something goes wrong, what do they do? They yell out his name. If you're in need, call out his name, Jesus. Something happens. 
His presence comes. This is what Christmas is all about. It's not just some fanciful story or fairy tale. Just check out the words of all these Christmas hymns we sing. I mean, just think about these words. When you look at the, the, especially the second verse and the third verse, it's all about salvation entering the world, God becoming a man, and how much he loves humanity to do what he's done for us. But all of this is nothing more than a nice story until you, you alone, no one can do it for you, you alone come before God bend the knee of your heart and invite him to have his way in your life. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. This isn't something that someone else can do on your behalf. You have to do it yourself. Do I speak to someone tonight and this describes you? Do you desire to have your sins forgiven? Do you desire to have that peace in your heart? Do you desire to live your life according to his will and not your will? Well, then pray with me. Pray silently where you sit if this describes your heart. Let's pray. If this describes you, I just want to invite you to pray after me silently. Heavenly Father, I confess to you that I have sinned. I confess to you that I've made a mess of my life. I confess to you that I need you in my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean by the sacrificial death of Jesus. Fill me with your holy and life-giving spirit. Help me to know you and love you as my Savior and my Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Amen. That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit a word from the Lord.org. There you will find today's sermon and previously aired messages where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. A Word from the Lord also has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can also find us on Facebook, and be sure to click the like button to follow our feed. Also, you can visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. Again, his blog address is bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. And for those of you who love Twitter and to tweet, you can follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com 
at Foley Beach. That's twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at a word from the Lord. Again, his email address is foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. For those of you who don't use Facebook, Twitter, or email, you can still contact him by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Again, our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A Word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for the opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us here again for the next broadcast. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.